0: We have got a month to go, and then we take a month off, uh, month of July, so don't forget about that. We have one more month to go, and um, we're going to get as far as we can before the break in First John, uh, because after the break, when we come back in August... Uh, I'd like to start a new series, so we're going to try to get as far as we possibly can, but I don't know whether we will actually finish out First John or not. Also, uh, just to let you know that uh, my wife and I are going to, after Sunday, uh, we're going to be here Sunday, we're going to step away for a week and take a, a week's vacation. Uh, so next Wednesday, Pastor Brian will be here to teach, and then he will also be teaching for me on Sunday, June the 5th. Uh, and then I'll be back on the 8th of June here on Wednesday night, and we'll just continue, as I said, in, in 1 John. Uh, tonight we come to, to what I would, and I know you you know you, you shouldn't rate passages of scripture. They're they're all great, they're all good. But for me personally, we come to a couple of verses tonight that I believe are. Maybe the most important in the entire letter. Uh, John has written this letter uh, partly to counteract false teaching, to deal with false teaching and false doctrine. And that's exactly where he centers on tonight, because... Also, one of the main themes of 1 John is living in fellowship with God. It's not only about having a relationship with God, it's about being in fellowship with God. And just as one needs to get it right about Jesus to have a relationship with God, it also reasons then to, to, to see that in order to be in fellowship with God, you've got to get it right about Jesus, and you've got to keep it right about Jesus. So, notice then what John begins to write in 1 John chapter 4. And he starts off with a word that he's used throughout this letter. It's the Greek word agape toy. In our net Bible, it's translated dear friends. It can also be translated beloved or divinely loved ones or much loved ones. But John starts out now, chapter 4, this sort of new uh, paragraph, if you will, this new thought with, again, a reminder of how greatly these people are loved. It's always good for us to be reminded how much God loves us, how greatly loved we are. If we woke up every day and just was, and just realized, wow, God loves me, and I can wake up in the love of God, and I wake up in the embrace of God every day, it, it just can't get any better than that. Uh, that would go a long way towards starting our day out in a good way. And so that's what John does here. Before he lays on these folks in this local church, a pretty heavy responsibility. Because you will notice that he is calling on all members of the church to have a corporate responsibility when it comes to what he's going to talk about that the responsibility here to test the spirits, and we're going to talk about what that actually means, is not just for the pastors, not just for the spiritual leaders of the church, it's for everybody. That's why he addresses it to dear friends. We are all, as Christians, as children of God, we are responsible before God to be heresy hunters, to be, uh, you know... Doctrinal detectives, if you will. We've got to be. We have got to be skeptical, if you will, when it comes to what we hear and what we take in, and especially then what we embrace and what we accept. Faith will examine its object before trusting it. Let me say that again, that's very important. Because many people, I think, especially when they look at Christians, say, well, you Christians, you just you just have this blind faith. Well, blind faith is not biblical faith. The kind of faith that God calls us to in the Bible is a faith that examines stuff before we trust ourselves to it. That's the way it should be in life. I mean, before we trust somebody, we should check them out and give it a little bit of time to see, can we trust them? Before we entrust ourselves to a, to a, a certain service or whatever, we, we ought to find out as much as we can and check it out and take things a little cautiously at first. We shouldn't just all of a sudden just blindly trust anything or anyone. That's not wise. And that is what God calls His people to do here. He says, do not entrust yourselves to anyone or anything that you hear. Be doctrinal detectives. Be heresy hunters. Be a discerning people that can distinguish what is coming from God and what is not coming from God. So He says, dear friends, Do not believe every spirit. Do not place confidence in. Do not think to be true. Do not be persuaded by every spirit. That's what the word believe means. And when he talks about every spirit, the Bible is reminding us that behind every prophet, behind every pastor, behind every proclamation, there is a spirit. So obviously, if you and I live in a world where the spiritual world is either not believed in or not given a lot of credence or priority, then no wonder people are being deceived left and right, and even Christians. How many Christians do you know of test everything that they hear and that they read, you see? Well, that's what we're supposed to do. We are responsible before God, before we entrust ourselves to something, before we say we believe it, before we're persuaded of it, before we think it to be true, before we embrace it to test it, before we believe it. Then if it passes the test, then obviously, and he's already talked about that. In fact, we learned about that in 1 Thessalonians, our study on Sunday morning, where Paul told the Thessalonian church, test all things. Hold fast to what is good, but test all things. Well, that's exactly what John is saying here. And by saying, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, he's also reminding us of this, that every human being that speaks, including you and I, there is a spirit energizing or behind what we say, what we proclaim. Now think about that. That's that's pretty heavy, heady stuff. Everything that a human being says has a spirit behind it. And according to the Bible, then there can only be one of two spirits that that eventually goes to. It either can be traced back to the spirit of God, or it is traced back to a demonic spirit. That's it. That's the only two choices we have. There's no third world of spirits. There's no in-between spirits. In the Bible, as John has already said, either it's light or it's dark. Either it's truth or it's false. There there is no other way. So, that's again why I, I bring up this example from Scripture. When Peter was trying to talk Jesus out of going to the cross... Jesus responded by saying, get behind me, Satan. Not that Peter was Satan, but he was was speaking, if you will, and proclaiming something that had a demonic spirit to it, not the Spirit of God. What Peter was saying at that moment was not being energized by the Spirit of God. It was being energized by a demonic spirit. And so you and I have to be aware of that. And we have to realize that the things that we hear and the things that we read every day as Christians only come from one of two sources. Either it is coming from a demonic spirit, the spirit of the world, or it's coming from the spirit of God. Which is why, then, John says it is every Christian's responsibility not to believe the spirit's just because someone says something or writes something, even if they claim to be a Christian, even if they claim to be a pastor or a spokesperson for God. No, no, no. We all have to test everything. So he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. The word test here means to rigorously examine. Again, Pretty heady stuff. In a sense, God is saying through John, you and I need to, we need to tear things apart and look at them and take time to go, does this line up with Scripture? Is this, is is what I'm hearing from this person or what this person wrote, is, is that really what the Bible says? And if I have the Holy Spirit in me, is the Holy Spirit confirming or affirming that that, that is truth that that lines up with what God said? Or am I uneasy about that? Is, is the Spirit of God not, not at peace with what this is saying? And, and as I begin to search the Scriptures, I'm realizing that the Scriptures are contradicting what this person is saying or what they've written, you see. Rigorously examine these things. that's our responsibility and, and that's why I think it's we live in, a, in a, even in a church culture where Christians are just being deceived left and right and where they're they're swallowing false doctrine and, and they're staking their lives on things that really don't line up with the Bible and one of the reasons is because we lack discernment in the church today and we lack this discipline of testing the spirits. We just accept something because so-and-so said it. And that doesn't cut it. You and I have to test the spirits. That is our responsibility. And John goes on to say to determine, to distinguish, to recognize if they are from God. Is, Is what they are saying to me, is this coming from God? Does this line up with God's word? Does it agree with God or not? And that's our responsibility. And God gives us the tools to do it. As we're going to see, He gives us His Word. He gives us the indwelling Holy Spirit. So it's not like we don't have the supernatural resources to be able to test. We do. It's just, are we being diligent enough and sort of on the ball enough to really put things to the test when we hear them and when we read them. One of the reasons why, John goes on to say, is because many, not few, many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this was 2,000 years ago. And the Bible teaches us that as time rolls on, more and more false teachers and false prophets actually come into the world. So if many false prophets existed 2,000 years ago, how many more today? How many more spiritual imposters? That's really what the word false prophets means. Imposters. imposters, Pretending to speak for God. Spiritual peddlers of error is what I like to refer to them as. And they're all over the place. And they even have material in Christian bookstores. Because it really bothers me when I hear another Christian say, yeah, I went into a Christian bookstore and bought a book, as if that makes it okay just because it's contained in a Christian bookstore. No, folks. We need to put everything in a Christian bookstore through the same test. Test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world couple other things before we move on to verse two. This verse also at the end is telling us something that should convict and challenge us as the true children of God who know the truth. And that is that these false prophets and these spiritual peddlers of error and these spiritual imposters are very faithful to their mission. Sometimes much more faithful to their mission than we as Christians are to ours. Because they are going out into the world. And Jesus commanded His children, Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, Jesus said, into the world. And yet, so often as Christians, we're not going into the world as much as the false prophets and spiritual peddlers of error and imposters are going out into the world, and they're certainly spreading their message. It's one of the reasons why here at the Oasis, you know, I want to do podcasts, I want to do video, not to get me out there, to get the Word of God out there. That's why these two books, and, and God is now leading me to start another book here, but... It's it's why I want to get these books out. It's not about... It's about getting the truth out to combat and counteract all the false stuff that's out there all the time. To try to give people truth rather than all the error. That's what we need to be doing in our lives as Christians. Because there are so many false prophets. Not only are they faithful to their mission, but they are not new, obviously. They've been around for a long time. In fact, I want you to keep your finger there in 1 John chapter 4, and I want you to go back to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy with me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible. And I want you to see, even back then, God warned His people about false prophets. Deuteronomy chapter 13 beginning at verse 1. And in the net, you'll also see that this could also be chapter 12, verse 32, or chapter 13, verse 1. Moses writes, You must be careful to do everything I am commanding you. Do not add to it or subtract from it. Suppose a prophet or one who foretells by dreams should appear among you and show you a sign or a wonder. In other words, Do something supernatural. Do a miracle. Which, can I say, there are even many Christians today that if something is supernaturally done, if 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 a miracle is performed, Christians automatically think, well, that's got to be God. In fact, that's one of the reasons why the Antichrist is going to deceive so many people. Because the Bible says he's going to be able to do signs and wonders because he's going to be energized by Satan. And even Christians today, because of their lack of discernment, think that because a miracle's performed or something supernatural's done, it automatically means it must be of God. No! It's never been that way. Again, make sure that it aligns with God. Because it can also be energized by a demonic supernatural spirit. So God goes on to say, And the sign or wonder should come to pass concerning what He said to you. Namely, let us follow other gods. Gods whom you've not previously known. And let us serve them. Notice verse 3. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. For the Lord your God, notice this, will be testing you to see if you love Him with all your mind and being. Whoa! God says, look, I've already told you what... My will is and and what I expect so I don't care if somebody comes in whatever they claim I don't care what they do in front of you they do some kind of sign or wonder he says I'm testing you are you going to no matter what they do are you going to follow them because of what they can do are you going to follow my word and what I've already said? That's it. And so God even all the way back here at the beginning is reminding his people, look, people are going to come, they're going to claim to do things, they might even be able to do things. You stick with my word. You test the Spirit's and make sure that it lines up with what I've already said in my revelation and listen to the spirit of God and you'll not go wrong. So back to 1 John chapter 4. If we do not believe every spirit and test the spirits, then John goes on to say in verse 2, by this you will know the spirit of God. This is how you and I will recognize. That's what the word know means ascertain, or perceive. That's how we'll know whether it's coming from God or not. And what's he go on to say? The Jesus test. That's what I call this. He says, every spirit that confesses Jesus as the Christ. I want to stop there. The word confess here, like believe, means more than just Intellectual assent. Like, yeah, I believe that. It, it means something is heartfelt. Something is mind engaged. Something is so committed. It, it changes one's life. That, that's what belief is. That's why believe and confess are very similar as far as their effect on a person's life. Because one, biblically, cannot believe something and confess something unless it changes the way they live their lives. That's why Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice in those verses, confess, believe. But it's not just a head thing. As the Bible teaches, the demons believe and tremble. But you're not going to see a demon in heaven. Because they don't surrender to it, they don't submit to it. It doesn't change the way they live their lives. It doesn't change their existence. So when he says, every spirit that confesses, again, it means more than maybe just a head knowledge. And notice he says that Jesus is the Christ. That he is the Messiah. The anointed one of God that the Old Testament talked all about and predicted and prophesied would come. Is Jesus the Messiah? John is saying, this isn't the only test. John isn't saying these are just exclusive tests, but he's saying this is the big one. If someone confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, and, and basically they give their lives to Jesus because they believe he's the Messiah, then you know that spirit is from God. Because false spirits, false prophets, demonic spirits will not confess Jesus as the Messiah. The one to believe in and follow. Then John goes on to say this, because in his day, one of the false doctrines about Jesus was that he wasn't human. It wasn't that God became a man in the incarnation and actually took on flesh. In other words, there was a denial of the humanity of Jesus Christ. That was one of the false doctrines that was prevalent in John's day. And John again is saying, nope. If, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is 100% deity, and also 100% humanity, then you don't get it right about Jesus. And if you don't get it right about Jesus, you can't have a relationship with God, and you certainly then can't have fellowship with God. Because it is imperative... That every human being gets it right about Jesus. We can get it wrong about everything else, but if we get it right about Jesus, we're good. But if we get it right about everything else and wrong about Jesus, we're doomed. That's what John is saying. So, Jesus, so John goes on to say, this is how you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus as the Christ who's come in the flesh is from God. See, on the truth of Jesus Christ, Christianity stands or falls. This truth is not optional; it is essential. There's only two groups of people in the world. When it all it's all said and done, and it's boiled down, it's the people who have gotten it right about Jesus and the people who haven't. Because at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. What? do we think about Jesus? We're going to get to that in just a moment. Notice he goes on to say in verse 3, But every spirit that does not confess Jesus, the true Jesus, is not from God. You've got to get it right about Jesus. That's why the Bible teaches. And Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. It's why in the book of Acts. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Now the world that we live in says things like, again, coming from false prophets, that all religions lead to God, that There are many roads to heaven that Jesus is a good way, but He's not the only way. In fact, I'll go even a step further. Satan would be okay if a person believed in Jesus and loved Jesus and served Jesus as long as it wasn't the true Jesus. Because you've got to get Jesus right, see? you got to know who He really is. And you got to believe He is who He really is. That is absolutely essential. So keep your finger there. I'm running out of time. I want to go back to the Gospel of John for a moment, and then the Gospel of Matthew. John chapter 15. I want us to see tonight just for a minute, that even the Spirit of God, again, that lives within us, is all about testifying, not about Himself, but about Jesus. In John 15, verse 26, notice what Jesus says. When the Advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about who? Me, Jesus. The Spirit of God will make sure that that people get it right about Jesus. That's His whole ministry. Then look at chapter 16 of John, verse 14. Notice Jesus says, He will glorify Himself? No. He will glorify who? Me, Jesus. He will make sure that we are elevating Jesus, that we are magnifying Jesus, that we are getting it right about Jesus. Jesus. Which is why then, if you go back to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew's Gospel chapter 16, Jesus, in the midst of having a conversation with his followers, turns to his followers in chapter 16, verse 13. And it says, When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Because again, at the end of the day, this is the most important question that any human being can answer. You can get it wrong about everything else in life, but if you get it right about Jesus, you're good. But if you have it right about everything else and wrong about Jesus, it's not going to help you in eternity. So he goes on to say, they answered, well, some people say you're John the Baptist, others you're Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And notice what Jesus' response was. Simon, you are blessed. You got it right about me. You believe in the true Jesus. Not some false Jesus. You believe in the true Jesus. And he goes on to say, Simon, I want you to know something. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven did. And for every one of us here tonight that believe in the true Jesus, we can thank God that we did not get to that place on our own. We got there because God revealed it to us and we were willing to accept God's revelation about his son Jesus. So 1 John chapter 4, let's finish this out tonight. Verse 3, every spirit then that does not confess the true Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. The word Antichrist means one who opposes Christ, one who puts themselves in place of Christ, or one who is against Christ. It can mean all of those. And then John goes on to say, which you have heard is coming. You were taught, you were warned that the spirit of the Antichrist is coming. But notice what John says. Oh, he's already here. Not the Antichrist, not the person of the Antichrist, but the spirit of Antichrist. He was here 2,000 years ago. He's already present in the world. And this spirit of Antichrist has been laying the foundation for the Antichrist for a couple thousand years and will continue to do so until the church is taken out of the world at the rapture and then the tribulation begins and the Antichrist is revealed to the world. You and I have to realize that. That even though the Antichrist isn't here, The spirit of the Antichrist has been around for thousands of years and continues and continues and continues to spread over this world. That's why there are so many people living in spiritual darkness. So many people who are deluded and deceived because, first of all, they either don't believe in a spiritual world. If they do, they believe very little that it has anything to do with their own lives. They certainly don't believe what the Bible teaches that every human being that proclaims things has some kind of spirit behind it. And that spirit can either be traced to the spirit of God and and align with God or it, it can be traced to a demonic spirit. And again, they certainly don't believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. That he's it. That there are no multiple gods. That there is only one God. And that he stands alone amongst all these other gods and these other religions of the world. And that's what John is saying. And yes... That's not a politically correct message. It's not going to be a popular message. But we as the people of God, as the church, have been charged by Jesus himself to go into the world and give the message of the gospel. To share his truth. Whether people believe it or not, that's not on us. That's not our responsibility. Any more than Noah was held responsible by God to force people to get on the ark. No. But we are responsible to get His truth out there, to share His Word. To do as much for the truth of God as all of these false prophets are. To be as faithful to the true God as these false prophets are to a false God. Because they're working overtime. They're not taking time off. They're not complacent in their mission or assignment. They're very faithful. They're out there all the time spreading what's false. You and I, again, as the church, need to rise up and proclaim the truth and be that lighthouse for people in this community. It is up to all of us. Corporate responsibility. Again, back to verse 1. Not to believe every spirit But test the spirits. Rigorously examine the things that we see and hear and read. And I have shared with you before. I want you to do that with me. I am a fallible human being. And so I want you to make sure that even as your pastor is well-intentioned, As I want to be in proclaiming the truth of God, because I know I'm going to be held responsible by God for what I teach. That I want to encourage you to make sure that you test what you hear. Because all of us are responsible before God. To be those doctrinal detectives. Those heresy hunters, if you will. Well, one other scripture before we close. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews basically tells us, if I find it here, in chapter 5, that, like anything in life, we need to practice this testing in order to become proficient at it. You and I can't, like anything in life, do it every once in a while and get proficient at it. If, if we're going to be good at it, then we've got to do it all the time. We've got to do it consistently. And that's really what the writer of Hebrews is saying here in Hebrews chapter 5. I'm just going to begin in verse 11, but what I'm really looking at and zeroing in on is verse 14. He says, on this topic, the topic of Melchizedek, we have much to say and it's difficult to explain. Since you've become sluggish in hearing, for though you should in fact be teachers by this time, you need someone to teach you the beginning elements of God's utterances. You've gone back to needing milk, not solid food. And we've talked about this in our study of Hebrews, where if we're not progressing spiritually, we are regressing and we go backwards. There is no static place in the spiritual realm for everyone verse 13 who lives on milk is inexperienced in the message of righteousness because he's an infant he stays a baby christian never grows up never becomes an adult if you will spiritually but notice what he says in verse 14 but solid food the big thick steak if you will is for the mature who's no don't miss don't miss this whose perceptions whose discernments are trained by what's that next word practice to discern both good and evil there it is that's the key you see our perce- our spiritual perception our spiritual discernment actually gets sharper the more we practice this testing. So that you can pick up things a lot quicker, if you will, and they come to you a lot clearer as you keep practicing it. So that maybe the time that you put into it early on when you first get started, it might take a little bit of time to get the hang of it, like it does anything. But I I like to encourage Christians, this is part of our spiritual growth. This is what God wants us to grow into. He doesn't want us to stay baby Christians who always have to rely on somebody else to figure things out for us. He wants us to take the training wheels off of our own bike and start riding just on the real wheels. And the way to do that is for us to get to a point where we can test things ourselves through our own knowledge of the Scriptures and through our own walking with the Spirit of God and learning how to interact with the Spirit and listen to the Spirit of God. And as we do this, as the writer of Hebrews says, our perceptions are trained. Using a stupid superhero analogy, our spidey senses go up. We start to be able to recognize things a little bit quicker and a little bit clearer as we practice this. See, spiritual discernment and spiritual perception doesn't just happen. It's not like, well, just because I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, means I've got this amazing discernment and perception. No, no. It's something that you and I need to build into our lives. And, And the more we practice it, again, like anything the more discerning and perceptive we will be. Then we'll be able to distinguish and discriminate and recognize things for what they really are when they are presented to us. This is the people that God wants us to grow into being. And this is why John, I think these are some of the most important verses in the whole letter. Because False doctrine is rampant today. Error, spiritual error is everywhere. And even Christians, children of God, are buying into things that don't line up with Scripture. And God is saying, My people, don't be destroyed because of lack of knowledge and lack of discernment and lack of perception. Build up that spiritual discernment. Learn to recognize these things so that you don't start going off and wander away from the truth of God's Word and get caught up into error. We even had people here at the Oasis who came to a church like this where they heard the Word of God consistently and then they listened to something on television or they read a book or something and they went off the rails. And I mean, now they're involved in basically what I call a cult. It can happen, folks, to any of us if we don't follow the instructions of John. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you give us what we need to be a spiritually discerning, perceptive people. In fact, the very next verse that we're going to look at in a couple weeks, John says to his readers, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Our spiritual victory is through Jesus Christ and our belief in the true Jesus. And so John wants to reassure his readers that we have, through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and through our own belief in the true Jesus, and through our own Knowledge of the Scriptures. We have what it takes. We simply need to be diligent in putting it into practice every day. And not just assuming because we hear things from certain people and certain teachers and certain pastors that we should entrust ourselves to these things and believe in them. No, we must test them all. And so God, help us to to do that. To be more diligent before we embrace things that could be spiritually destructive and damaging to our spiritual welfare and well-being. God, I thank You for folks like these folks who are sitting in a school cafeteria on a Wednesday night in a day and age in which we live, that there are still a few people out there that really want to dig into the Word of God and know what the Bible says. But God, that number of people like that are diminishing more and more and more. And so God, I thank you for these folks. I thank you for their wanting to know what you say. That they're interested in the Bible. God, may more people be interested in the Bible and what it teaches because it is a life-saving message. It will change lives. It will transform lives. It will save us. So God, may we be diligent ambassadors to go out and take this message of truth that sets people free. Challenge us, God, with this truth tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here. We'll see you later.